feverishly that he'd misread the test or that it belonged to one of her friends. Though Colette never ballooned on him or started puking every five seconds, something had finally made him ask the question, and he still hadn't fully absorbed her answer. Catching Serena's confused glare, Tony realized he'd stayed silent for too long. Standing there outside the Hyatt Regency ballroom, he stood tall, as tall as you could stand at five foot ten, anyway, and leaned in toward his ex, one hand gently holding hers. The passage of ten years hadn't laid a finger on her smooth butterscotch complexion, her alluring little figure, or her cinnamon apple scent, but he told himself he didn't notice. Serena, he said, determined to get through his script, I just want to say, nice mustache, by the way. Interrupting him, she released his hand. Her gaze hardened and filled with contempt. Even her fluttery, bubbly voice had developed a new edge. Almost makes you look twenty. Don't take the bait. Tony reminded himself he wasn't there to defend his facial hair, a recent addition meant to offset the smooth, round contours of his baby face. Even now he looked younger than his thirty-two years, but at least people weren't mistaking him for a college kid. He leaned forward, getting back to his game plan. I hear the pain in your voice, D, he said, whispering Serena's nickname into her delicate pointy left ear. For the record, I was out of line with that stunt I pulled. I hope you and Jamie live happily ever after. Caught off guard, Serena froze in place at his words, as strains of Tina Marie and Rick James' fire and desire seeped from the ballroom into the hallway, her jaw clenched so quickly, Tony almost missed it. Looking over his shoulder with a cool stare, she said, Ancient history, while shrugging. Standing straighter, she matched his stare again. Good to see you. That was it. She'd left him out there, forced to choose his next approach. A quick nod of the head to end things and shake the next hand in line, or an abject plea for her sincere forgiveness. There were men who might take the challenge, who might shed their pride in hopes of burying the hatchet with the woman they'd lost the most sleep over. On that day, at that moment, Tony Gooden was too much the man to be that man. Catching Serena's eyes one last time, he shook his head slowly and said, I'm glad you're at peace then. Pivoting smoothly toward the next bridesmaid, he extended a hand without waiting for Serena's reaction. He wasn't chasing after anyone anymore, not even Serena Height Kincaid. When he had made his way through the receiving line, he stood alone, searching the crowd for Trey, his old friend and last-minute date for the wedding. His brow wrinkling with annoyance, he swept his eyes over the packed hallway. Bet that fool's collecting numbers. Here he'd asked Trey to come along for moral support in his hour of need, and the boy was lining up booty calls. He still hadn't locked on to Trey, when the groom, Devin, stepped out of the receiving line and rushed to his side. See, that wasn't so painful, T, Devin said, his gravelly voice barely audible over the gathering crowd.
You're still standing? Yeah, whatever, Tony said, loosening his silk tie and playing with the navy blue buttons on his tapered, professionally tailored suit coat. He shook his college roommate's hand, admiring Devin's sharp ebony tucks and tails. Again, man, I can't tell you how proud I am. He meant every word. Tony still vividly recalled the night Devin first met Kim during their sophomore year at Northwestern. Devin, a tall, lanky English major who always slept peacefully while Tony pounded his mattress with the latest conquest, agonized for weeks about the short, shapely honey who'd caught his eye at the library. Bookish, despite an occasional crazy streak, Devin had struck up a conversation with Kim, but failed to pursue those seven magical digits. With Tony's coaching, his roommate finally tracked the conservative accounting major down and wormed his way into her heart.